Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. Episode 59 of Sorallo Sports Talk and March Madness is in full effect. It's going to be a great episode. Three-time Super Bowl champ LeGarrette Blunt is all set to join the show. Can't wait to talk all things Tom Brady, NFL free agency, and his new CBD company LG's Feel Good with LG himself. But let's start with March Madness because it was right here on Sorallo Sports Talk last episode where I said with confidence and conviction that this year's national championship game was going to feature the Kentucky Wildcats cutting down the nets after knocking off the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I think I said history. I think I'm the first person in the fucking face of the earth to have his entire national championship game shattered 11 games in to the NCAA tournament. I think I fucking said history right off the bat this year with March Madness. My oh my, this has been an absolutely incredible NCAA tournament so far through the first two rounds. I'm loving every minute of it. And just like all of you sorry suckers out there like myself who made a bracket, I think I still have a chance. I think that if we have an Elite Eight of North Carolina and St. Peter's, of Arkansas, despite me having Gonzaga in my final four, yes, I'm rooting for Arkansas because everyone else has Gonzaga in at least their final four in my bracket. So if I can get an Arkansas, Texas Tech, North Carolina, St. Peter's left side of the Elite Eight, I think I have a chance. On the right side, I'm actually looking decent. In the top right corner, I need Houston to knock off Arizona. I'm the only person in my 20-player pool that has Houston beating Arizona. God, did I need TCU to beat Arizona. Did I think TCU should have beaten Arizona in that round of 32 game? We'll get to that. I have Villanova going to the Final Four. I think I'm one of two people in my pool that has Villanova going to the Final Four. Everyone else, either Arizona, might have been one for Tennessee. So if I get a Villanova-Houston Elite Eight game, I may be okay. And then in the bottom right, I think everyone who doesn't have Kansas is screwed, right? Because if you didn't have Kansas, you probably had Auburn or Iowa, those two teams out of the picture. So I need Providence to beat Kansas and then whatever the hell happens in Iowa State, Miami. Rooting for Iowa State because I've known Isaiah Brockington since he was a freshman at St. Bonaventure. But whatever the hell happens in that game in terms of my bracket, well, I could care less. Like I said, rooting for the Cyclones though. Let's talk about the top story of March Madness, though, because my bracket doesn't mean shit. Your bracket probably doesn't mean shit anymore. Let's talk about St. Peter's. Now, as someone who had Kentucky winning the national championship, who thought that Ty Ty Washington and Wheeler being healthy in March, that Coach Calipari, I feel he's one of the best coaches in the country. I thought Kentucky had all the ingredients for their second national title under Coach Cal. I can't be mad that they lost to the Peacocks of St. Peter's University. St. Peter's in Jersey City, not too far 
from where I am right now in New York. I mean, this school is the ultimate Cinderella, right? Like we've seen Cinderella's. We saw Lob City, you know, Florida Gulf Coast with Andy Enfeld, who got the hell out of Dodge, went to USC after their incredible, miraculous Sweet 16 run, the first 15 seed ever to go to the Sweet 16, right? That was incredible. Just last year, we had Oral Roberts become the second 15 seed to go to the Sweet 16. Now it's happened in consecutive seasons. And this is by far the most impressive of all the 15 seeds, right? Norfolk State in HBCU knocking off heavily favored Missouri some years back was incredible. It doesn't equate, doesn't amount to this. None of the 15 seeds, the nine before St. Peter's amount to what the Peacocks have done. This is the ultimate Cinderella. Now, why do I keep saying that? Why is it the second time I've called them the ultimate Cinderella when they're the third 15 seed to do so? Well, compare them to Oral Roberts, right? Oral Roberts, a small, uh, Christian, wealthy university in, I believe, Oklahoma, right? More money than the God that they worship. Their athletics are so well-funded. I mean, Oral Roberts has a boatload of money, that university. You look at St. Peter's. Their entire budget for athletics, I'm not talking basketball, I'm talking all sports, is less than John Calipari's salary. About a million dollars less. Their entire athletics budget in the seven millions, John Calipari makes over eight mil at Kentucky. This school has no athletics budget. I believe their basketball budget is just over a million dollars, if my numbers are correct. I mean, this school has no resources. They have no facilities. You look at the conference that they're in, right? The the MAC with two A's. Of course, Iona was the clear consensus pick. In fact, it was Iona that people were talking about making a Sweet 16 run as potentially a 12, if not then a 13 or a 14 seed. All the hype in the world surrounded Rick Pitino and the Iona Gales to come out of the MAC with two A's and make some noise in the tournament. Well, people got the conference right, but instead it's Shaheen Holloway and the St. Peter's Peacocks. By the way, completely random side note, one of the first college basketball games that I ever went to, in fact, probably I think the second or third college basketball game that I actually remember going to was a Stony Brook St. Peter's game. So that's my little tie-in. I've actually seen St. Peter's play in person. I know most of you up until March Madness have never heard of St. Peter's, didn't know that they were from New Jersey. This school is so behind the eight ball, even even for the MAC, right? Even compared to Iona, Siena, they don't have the funding that Marist has. I mean, Marist has, has a boatload of money. Another small school doesn't really do a lot when it comes to athletics. They have a ton of money, right? St. Peter's, has nothing. They're dead last in their conference in funding, uh, barely behind Niagara. They probably have the worst facilities out of the 11 teams in their conference. I mean, they don't have a campus, right? They're, They're just a random small college thrown in the middle of the streets of Jersey City. But what they do have, as Coach Shaheen Holloway told the entire country a couple days ago, is a whole lot of toughness. They have heart, they have toughness. They believe that they can beat Gonzaga on any given night. And you know what? Maybe, maybe they can. Maybe St. Peter's, the third 15 seed ever to make it to the Sweet 16, can become the first 15 seed ever to make it to the Elite Eight. Now, 
Look, unfortunately, you know, all good things must come to an end at some point. And as much as I'm rooting for them, you know, maybe you want to call me a hater listening to this. I don't see them getting past Purdue. And that's because of one reason, ultimately, in its size. I, I mean, the Boilermakers are running out seven foot four centers every year. Who the hell on St. Peter's is going to guard a seven foot four center? Right. And, and I'm not talking a seven foot four toothpick, right? A guy like Chet Holmgren. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Zach Eady, a guy who's seven four. Listed at 295, I bet he's over three, who's muscular, doesn't play 40 minutes, and that might be the one advantage St. Peter's has. Hit Purdue when, you know, hit him in the mouth when he's off the court, plays only about half a game, but in those 20 minutes is good for about 15 and eight. That's the kind of guy they're going up against. I mean, you put a seven foot four brick house on the court with Jaden Ivey, who's probably going to be the first guard taken in June's NBA draft, and a team like St. Peter's. It's reasonable to say they might run into some problems. But, you know, I didn't think that they had a shot in hell against Kentucky. Liked them plus the 18. Didn't think they'd be able to win the game. Didn't think it would be a single-digit contest. I just thought, you know, St. Peter's, they were, I believe, the third-best team against the spread in the country this year out of over 350. I figured, you know, they'd lose by 14-15. They'd cover. Kentucky would win. We'd all be on our way. But, man, I love Shaheen Holloway. I love St. Peter's. What he said about his guys ahead of the Kentucky game, when asked if they were scared of going up against, you know, a blue blood, a perennial title contender in the Kentucky Wildcats, he said, man, I got a bunch of guys from from Jersey and New York City. They ain't scared of anything. And I absolutely, I mean, he put the country on notice. He gave you the opportunity to change your bracket, to pick St. Peter's. and, And I wish I did at that point because his team is the epitome, the absolute definition of toughness. And you know, this little small Cinderella, like I said, the ultimate Cinderella, man, I hope they win it all. Let's look at some other incredible stories, some other incredible games around the bracket, though. The SEC, sticking with, you know, Kentucky, the team that St. Peter's knocked off, the SEC has been an abomination. I mean, I put out a tweet right before the tournament started, and maybe it foreshadowed just how embarrassingly bad my bracket was going to be. I said, I'm damn near tempted to go with an all-SEC Final Four. I was looking at this and I said, oof, Arkansas. I think they can knock off Gonzaga. They finished the year hot as hell. Kentucky, my pick to win it all. Tennessee, no one, no one finished the college basketball season hotter than the Tennessee Volunteers. Now, I had them losing to Villanova because these two teams met earlier in the season. Villanova, I have going to the Final Four, beat Kentucky by 18. They play very similar styles of basketball, tough defense, three-point shooting. Villanova, I just feel, does it better. But Tennessee was a lot hotter, and it would not have been unreasonable to take Tennessee to come out of that bracket. And then, of course, Auburn. Auburn, in your bottom right, I believe the Midwest bracket. A lot of people were on Jabari Smith, the sensation, and the Auburn Tigers. It was not unreasonable to think of an all-SEC Final Four. Of course, it would never happen. Things like that don't happen. But you could make the argument for a team to come out of each region. They have been so embarrassingly disappointing. Kentucky loses its first game, as we just discussed. Tennessee goes down to a Michigan team that I thought there was one team in the field of 68 who didn't belong, and it was Michigan. First off, how Michigan, in my opinion, was ranked ahead of both Rutgers and Notre Dame. I thought if Michigan was going to make it, they were an absolute lock for a play-in game. But I thought Texas A&M was more deserving than Michigan. I mean, Texas A&M 
went on an incredible stretch at the end of the year, went all the way to the SEC title game where the only team they couldn't overtake was ultimately Tennessee. I thought Texas A&M was more deserving. Michigan finished the year flat. You had the Juwan Howard suspension. I did not think the Wolverines showed any sign of a pulse down the stretch. Now look, of course, naturally they're in the Sweet 16. I mean, I did not see Michigan beating Tennessee. I didn't think they had any business doing it. Tennessee held a three-possession second-half lead at one point and squandered it. Auburn going down to Miami. I mean, that, that made no sense to me. That was the one game that I was just watching and in disbelief. Like, almost every upset, you can go back, for the most part, and say, ah, I should have known. You know, even Michigan, right? Even though talent-wise, Tennessee won up some. Tennessee, the hotter team going into the tournament. Michigan's a great tournament team, right? Michigan has had, for the past decade or so, teams that didn't belong in the Final Four make it that far. Teams that didn't belong in the Sweet 16 make it that far. They're a great tournament program year after year. Miami and Auburn, to me, made no sense. Jim Laranega, incredible coach. Miami has good guard play, but, I mean, come on, Auburn has arguably two lottery picks on their team, and Jabari Smith, who I think should be the first overall pick in the NBA draft, and then, of course, Kessler, the seven-foot-one shot swatter. Uh, I mean, the Tigers going down to Miami there made absolutely zero sense, but that's March. It makes zero sense. That's not a game I can look back on and say, you know, I get it. They're toughness. They're this, they're that. That was going to do it. I look back on that Auburn-Miami game and I'm just like, wow, that just made zero sense to me. But it ultimately does make sense because the SEC, I, you know, I said it at the preseason. I say it usually before every season. The SEC is just not good at basketball, right? It's a football conference. Let's call it what it is here. You know, this year they uh, they played from the outside, I thought really well in conference play. Maybe they were just all equally bad uh, because they went up against the rest of the country and they absolutely shit the bed. By the way, same with the Big Ten. I mean, I don't want Michigan's success to completely steal uh, the spotlight from the rest of their Big Ten programs that for the second year in a row have stunk in the tournament. Illinois, useless in March Madness. Uh, Ohio State, Good win over Loyola, a convincing win. Didn't think that that they would beat Loyola. Villanova down the stretch just, you know, made quick work of them. They cut it to, I believe, two points at one point, and then the Wildcats started playing basketball, and Ohio State went home with their tail between their legs. Uh, I mean, Michigan and Purdue, the only two big... People talk about the mighty Big Ten. Michigan State gave up 11 points to Duke in, like, the final two minutes. People talk about the mighty Big Ten year after year. And while the SEC... I don't believe is a good basketball conference. There is no basketball conference that is more overrated than the Big Ten. Two years in a row, by the way, the Pac-12 has exceeded expectations. Last year, it was the likes of Oregon, USC, UCLA. This year, it's UCLA, Arizona. The Pac-12, so much better in March than the SEC and the Big Ten. Big 12 too. Got to bring them up. They've got the most tournament teams still alive. Three teams in the Sweet 16. Go figure. Iowa State, they went cold in conference play after an amazing non-conference performance. But like I said, my guy Isaiah Brockington's out there. I believe it's his last year. I mean, it feels like he's almost my age now. So I don't know how he's still playing college hoops. But I love to see what the Cyclones in Iowa State are doing. Which brings me to the last storyline from the first two rounds that I have to get to. And it's a Big 12 team. I promised we would get there. Let's close there. TCU 
and Arizona. I mean, Mike Miles, who had an absolutely phenomenal season, phenomenal game against Arizona for the Horned Frogs, he got mugged at the end of that game. That, to me, and I had Arizona winning, right? Now, I have Arizona going down to Houston this round. Like I said, I'm the only person in my pool who has that, so big stakes there for me. But Arizona dropping to TCU would have been amazing, in my opinion. I mean, again, I don't have them going past the Sweet 16. Everyone else does. You don't care about my bracket, though. Let's just talk about the game that TCU turned out. This is a team that I have watched closely, probably more closely than any other Big 12 team down the stretch because they have been as tough, as gritty, and ultimately one of those teams that, you know, they're not as talented as Kansas or Baylor. They're never going to be. Not even as talented as Texas Tech or Texas, but they beat Texas. They beat Texas Tech. They beat Kansas, and the game they didn't beat Kansas, they only lost by four back-to-back games they had with the Jayhawks. TCU and Jamie Dixon had a hell of a season. And to see their best player, Mike Miles, a kid who left it out everything, 110% on the court every night this season, to see their season end the way it did in a tie game, literally getting mugged at half court at the end of regulation. I don't know how there wasn't a whistle there before Arizona had the fast break, went for the dunk, didn't count, didn't get it off in time, went to overtime, ultimately won it. I don't know how there wasn't a whistle on the Mike Miles play. He turned the ball over with about, I believe it was four seconds to go, and he went back over the half court line after getting pushed to the floor. So, you know, the refs didn't call the foul. You got to call a back court violation. I mean, there had to be some kind of whistle there. That's the part that's baffling to me. No foul and then no back court. It's like, well, you missed something, refs. And I'll tell you what they missed. They missed the foul. He got mugged. He was 9 of 9 from the free throw line, by the way. So I'm not going to say TCU absolutely would have won, even if he hit both. Arizona with four seconds could always get off a crazy three. We've seen more wild things happen in March. But Mike Miles, if they call that foul, I'd say there's a 90% chance he goes to the line, hits at least one, and the TCU Horned Frogs pull off the 9 over 1 upset in the round of 32 against the powerhouse number two overall team in the country Arizona Wildcats they got stripped of that because of a no call there was a ton there was a ton of bad officiating in those first two rounds I mean Baylor only got back into that game against North Carolina because the officials must have said oh shit we're we're working a game in Fort Worth we got to get Baylor the home team moving on to the Sweet 16 that was insane but TCU to see with how hard those kids have worked all year and again I've watched a lot of TCU games Eddie Lampkin I mean, what he did going up against a 7-2 center that Arizona was running out there. Eddie Lampkin is not the tallest center in the country. Now, he makes up for it because he's about 340 pounds. Guy's like a D-tackle out there. He was sensational. And he was, you know, you talk about St. Peter's and their toughness. Eddie Lampkin is as tough as any big man in the country. I would have loved to see Eddie Lampkin and the Horned Frogs go up against Houston because Houston... Coach Sampson has one of the toughest squads in the country out there. That, in San Antonio of all places too, TCU versus Houston in San Antonio, my God, that would have been a matchup I was dying to see. Instead, we get the one seed, we get Arizona. I still think Houston knocks him off. I'm still standing by that call. Houston is going to beat Arizona because just like TCU, Houston is tougher than Arizona. Unlike TCU, Houston is almost as talented as Arizona. But... I thought Mike Miles, Eddie Lampkin, Coach Dixon and company down in TCU got robbed. Houston will do the job, though. 
Houston will do the job. But my big prediction before we get into my interview with LeGarrette Blunt, maybe see how his bracket's doing, if he's been enjoying March Madness like you and I have, my big prediction is that Thursday night in San Francisco, the Texas Tech Red Raiders will end Coach K's career. When we come back, LeGarrette Blunt joins the show. We're going to talk, like I said, Tom Brady, free agency, and of course, LG's Feel Good, his new CBD company. Stick with me, Joe Serralo, right here on Serralo Sports Talk. We're back here on Serralo Sports Talk, and joining the show next, he is a three-time Super Bowl champ, former NFL running back, LeGarrette Blunt. Thank you so much for joining the show, LG. Anytime, man. I appreciate you for having me on, my guy. It's great to have you on. And look, I can't wait to get to your new CBD company, LG's Feel Good. We'll talk about your career, of course, those three Super Bowls I just mentioned. But before we dive into football, the first two rounds of March Madness just wrapped up, and it's been an absolutely wild, insane tournament. Have you been following this? Have you been having as much fun as everyone else watching all these upsets? I have. I have. I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen a couple. Um I have. I've been having a blast watching it, man. It's it's uh it's very entertaining right now. I mean, I, just, I love basketball, so I'm a, <laughs> I'm gonna be locked in. I love it. You know, it's so interesting to get takes of former athletes on other sports. What about basketball is so attractive to you? I mean, I love that it's a it's a team sport, but individually, obviously, you can obviously do ISOs. You know, just the fact that you can you can still run plays. In um, basketball, the same way you would do in football. Obviously, you see freakish athletes. I just love the game, bro. It's just it's entertaining to watch. Um, it was fun to play growing up. And, you know, fortunately, I was just better at football. <laughs> I'd say you were pretty damn good at football. Yeah, if you were better at basketball, then I'd be questioning your career choices, man. Hey, yeah, I, know, I, wanna, right? <laughs> I wanna talk about a former teammate of yours before we get started, a guy you won a couple Super Bowls with. Tom Brady, you played almost four full seasons with the man. And last week, he announced that after about six weeks, he is unretiring from football. He'll be back with Tampa Bay this season. Of course, the team that you started your NFL career with. How surprising was this news to you that Brady's back? Um, it was pretty surprising to me because I thought, you know, he's a pretty decisive guy. So I thought when he made his mind up to retire, I thought he was hanging the cleats up. It was sad, but I'm happy he's back, though. Yeah, I, I think the NFL and especially the NFC is better off to have him back. You know, I mentioned that you played almost four full seasons and won a couple rings with him. What about Tom Brady, LG, makes him so different from every other quarterback out there? Because physically, you know, he's not the most talented, not the fastest, not the tallest, never had the strongest arm. But what about him just makes him the best? Um, you know, just to underestimate, you know, the underestimating of, 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 of what he can really do. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, he's just, he's always, you know, nine times out of 10, he's going to be the smartest guy in the room. Um, you know, he's a competitor, very, 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 very competitive. Um, and you know, he, he just doesn't, he doesn't take no for an answer when it comes to winning and losing, you know, um, I feel like he's one of those special, special guys that. You can put him on any 32 teams and, and, and they're going to instantly be a Super Bowl contender. Um, you know, and you can't say that. I mean, you can say that, but but it don't hold true unless it, you know I mean, unless it's him. He's, he's one of the guys that you can really say that for. 
and it can really hold true. Just like you can send LeBron on any team in the NBA, and they're going to be instant, you know, uh, almost pretty much an instant playoff team. I mean, obviously, count out the Lakers for this year, but <laughs> yeah. But I mean, shit, if if if, if Brian going out there and giving you 56 points and 50 points and you're only scoring 80, then something is wrong. You know, if he's giving you 50, you're only scoring 100 points, something is wrong. Absolutely. You know, so, so you know, and then, you know, just think about, you know, the fact that, you know, Brady goes out here every single day and he, you know, at the age he, at the age he is, um, Probably, probably the healthiest. Obviously, probably the healthiest man in the room. He take care. He takes great, great care of his body um, to be able to play this long and this efficient. Um, so it's a lot of things that go into him being able to just go out there and and um, not just not just go out there on the field and throw the football. I mean, it's a lot that that goes into it. Um, and and I don't think a lot of guys are willing to make the sacrifices that he's willing to make to be the best. Yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent in saying that he has sacrificed more than most to do what he's done. And there's a reason he's accomplished more than anyone else. But you've accomplished a ton, too. You're one of only seven players in the history of the NFL to win back to back Super Bowls on different teams. Now, of course, when you did it with Philly, you won against the team you had won with the year before the New England Patriots. What was that like for you? How weird was it running out of the tunnel Super Bowl 52? And for the first time in your three Super Bowls, the Pats were on the opposite sideline. What did that feel like? It felt crazy. Um, all week leading up to it, it, it felt crazy. Like, dang, I'm finna, I'm finna really go play these guys again. Um, I'm finna go get, I'm finna go in here and play against these guys. And you know, um, it feels it just it's, I mean, it was a crazy feeling. Uh, and you always know that if, if if twelve on the other side of the ball, man, there's the win is never guaranteed. No matter how good your team is, it just never really is guaranteed until the until the game is over. Yeah. So we hold. You know, I'm holding my breath until zero 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 zero. <laughs> I hear you, man. Hey, you know when you left New England, coming off that incredible, improbable Super Bowl comeback win, probably the best Super Bowl of all time against the Atlanta Falcons. What went into that decision? Because we've seen the past week, week and a half of NFL free agency has been absolutely crazy with signings and trades and whatnot. So for you, because you know people always question what goes into these decisions. What was it about? Was it strictly about dollars and cents? Was it about having friends with Philadelphia that kind of brought you in there? Did you genuinely think the Eagles had a better team going into that season than New England? What, what was your thought process in free agency? My thought process in free agency at that time was, you know, try to try to do what I can to maximize um, what I can get financially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and and you guys know, I mean, there's no secret how New England is when it comes to playing paying players um you know you can go out there and rush for 2,000 yards and have 25 touchdowns they they're gonna they're not gonna offer you the same kind of contract that you get from another team it's just not in their nature you know they they feel like um they don't they feel like they shouldn't have to pay for individual accolades you know they just they feel like they should uh you should go out here and do this this is what you should do this isn't you know what I'm saying so um you know, that that process was just kind of weird. Um, it was kind of awkward, you know. Still respect the most, still res- respect um, Bill, you know, with the utmost. Um, but uh, he put some kind of weird clause on me, saying, or some kind of weird tender on me. Like, they didn't tender me 
or tag me, but they put some kind of like tent, like tag on me that hadn't been used since like 1970. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think it's even been used um, since they used it on me. I'm thinking the other team has used it. Um, so um, then basically the tag is just saying, look, when I know he's trying to wait. I know this player is trying to wait till a certain amount of time to where, you know, the team doesn't get a pick whenever they sign in free agency, but they put on some kind of tender saying, they put some kind of tender on me saying, um, you know, wherever he signs that we're going to get a pick regardless. That's the kind of tender they put on me, but I don't know what it's called. Um, and then, you know, basically they're just like, whatever, whatever his team he decides to go to, we're going to get a, we're going to get a, a, a pick no matter what we're going to get, a, we're going to get a, a, a compensatory pick or whatever the pick is that they get. And, uh, and a lot of teams kind of backed off after that because nobody wants to give up a pick in free agent. Like I don't want to sign a free agent and still have to give up a pick. And, um, that's that's kind of how I got to to, to Philly, um, and 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 that's why I left New England. Huh. It paid off for the Eagles, man. I'd say that that pick was definitely worth the Super Bowl, which uh, which oh, you yeah. contributed heavily to. Let, let's talk about that Eagles team because that team is so fascinating. You look at Nick Foles, and that was actually the first Super Bowl, the first radio road that I ever covered out in Minneapolis. And Nick Foles just always, as a lifelong Giants fan myself. I always saw this guy come out of nowhere, whether it was Michael Vick getting injured and Foles coming in. And I believe that was the season he threw like 24 touchdowns, two interceptions. He always came out of nowhere when the guy in front of him got hurt. And that was when he performed best. Do you think that you still win that Super Bowl with Carson Wentz? Or did it take something special that Nick Foles provided to get the job done? It definitely took something special that Nick provided to get the job done. Like it was a perfect, it was a perfect story. I don't think you could have done it any other way and had the same outcome. You know, obviously, I know Carson was, you know, almost undefeated. Um, I know that he got us, you know, really, really far in the season. Got to put us in the position to go play for a Super Bowl. But I don't think the outcome would have been the same without Nick. I just, I don't. I think Nick. I think Nick brought something special and contributed something different to the team, some kind of spark to the team that we we wouldn't have been able to get with anybody else at quarterback. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a, a reasonable thing to say. I mean, Wentz, of course, he was probably going to win the MVP if he doesn't get hurt that year. But Nick Foles came out there and it just looked like a different team. It was really special. Even for a Giants fan, I was rooting for you guys because you were just that much fun to watch. LeGarrette, what is wrong with Carson Wentz? I mean, you look at his career post-Eagles, bounced around a season in, in Indianapolis, now he's with Washington, back in the NFC East. He's just never been the same. In your opinion, from your view, knowing the guy, playing with the guy, what's wrong there? I think the injury kind of derailed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, I don't know how. I mean, I'm, ACLs are or hard. I don't know how. Um, I don't know how how difficult his rehab was. Um, obviously we all understand that some guys can bounce back differently than others from ACLs. I mean, look at AP, you know, look at, you know, I mean, look at Odell. I mean, look at some of these guys that's, that's come off of, uh, ACL, you know, injuries and, and, and come back and, and still play at a high level. Um, I just don't think that he can recapture that because I think that's his, Every, if you play long enough in the league, everybody's going to have that one or two special seasons. And hell, that was one of his, you know. Um, and it's, I, I think, it, you know, he don't have the same kind of weapons 
um, offensively, you know, throwing the football, running the football. He don't have the same weapons offensively. He don't have the same offensive line. So, um, you know, I don't think he, I don't think he'll go out there and just, you know, ball out. But at the same time, I hope he does. And what kind of teammate was Carson? Because I, I've, you know, as he's bounced around since, you know, coming back from that injury, I've tended to hear mixed reviews uh, about Carson Wentz as a teammate. You know, Tom Brady, we see the way that he embraces guys, right? You came to New England two separate times. And again, this is just an outside perspective, but it seemed like Brady loved having you out there. How was Carson as a teammate and a leader? Yeah, Brady, yeah, that's my guy, you know. But, uh, but, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that Carson is a <laughs> Brady-esque, <laughs> you know, um, I think that he, I think that he, uh, I think that he can still be a good quarterback in this league, man. I just don't think that, uh, you know, he's, 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 I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's willing to put it to work, but, you know, um, I think he's rubbed a lot of guys that he's been, you know, teammates with. He's probably rubbing the wrong way because of, you know, how, how he comes off or how he acts or any of that. You know, um, I don't think he's a hateful guy or a bad guy. I just think his attitude and his and the way he carries himself give, gives off a, um, an arrogant vibe. Um, really? So that's I think that's what guys get from him. Um, but I mean, I think if you talk to him, he's a cool dude, though. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Because you know, you would think a guy like Tom Brady, you know, people who don't really know anything about him outside of the fact that he wins all the time, they think he's arrogant and he seems like the most down to earth person. I, I mean, that I've ever spoken to. I've spoken to Brady a few times, and he's incredibly down to earth, and you know, gives his teammates credit, gives credit where it's due all the time. You wouldn't expect a, a young guy like Wentz, who came from an FCS school to be arrogant when you've got the goat who you know well who is the exact opposite he is the exact opposite i mean he embraces everyone he's as cool as a fan bro you know so um you know like i said you got you just he's never I'll, i've never seen him be that kind of guy to anybody um you know and and i think like i said i think um part of being a quarterback and you know and being a leader of a team is is gaining the respect and 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 you know gaining the respect of your teammates and others and you know just knowing that knowing that you're gonna you're gonna be dependable knowing that you you know you you got our back um you know and and i like i said i just don't know how well carson is doing that nowadays that's interesting hey lg i want to get to your cbd company but the final thing about this free agency cycle i want to ask is which player movement do you feel like will make the biggest impact? Could be a free agent signing, could be a trade, but over the week, over the past week and a half, what do you think the biggest move across the NFL has been? I ain't gonna lie, man. I think the Raiders are making a hell of a push. Yeah, they, they, make, they look scary. They look scary, boy. They got Crosby. They got uh, Chandler Jones, you know, Brandon Bolden. They signed uh, Devontae. Um, man, they're looking scary. But at the same time, so are the Chargers. That whole division. I mean, you got Russ that to whole Denver. Division is, is nasty. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. it it's I definitely going to be a lot Raiders, of fun. I think the Raiders making the biggest splash, though. I agree. I agree. How shocked were you that Devontae left Aaron Rodgers after all these years together in Green Bay? 
Bro, I was extremely shocked that he left after A-Rod signed the deal. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I know that he was really worried about A-Rod not coming back, and he wanted him to come back. But then you, you go elsewhere. You know, maybe it tells you Derek Carr might be a, a better teammate and a better leader than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I'm just trying to read between the lines. I don't know either of them, but that's definitely what it looks like. Nah, I mean, I, I guess the history trumps the – um, the history of him and Derek Carr trumps the um, the relation that him and Rogers has. I mean, obviously, him and Rogers have you know known each other and been pretty tight for what six years, five years. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. He's known Carr for you know damn near since he was 17 years old. You know, so you know now they finally get the opportunity to play together again, be on the same squad, you know, be best homies and all that stuff again. And, you know, it looks like that might that might end up being something that is uh, really special in the in the future. Yeah, look, you know, when when you get to the playoffs every year and you're a quick exit every year, that could really wear you down. I mean, you wouldn't know about that. You made it to the playoffs four times, won at all three of those four. But uh, when you go there a lot, uh, yeah, you don't win I made goals. I made it four and, and, and lost twice and lost once. I lost yeah. the Broncos in the in the in the NFC champ in the AFC championship. <laughs> That's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. LG, let's talk about LG's Feel Good, your new CBD company. You're hoping to help athletes out with aches, pains, injuries, mental health too. What inspired you to go about this and create LG's Feel Good? Uh, my inspiration was just, you know, my body, you know, just seeing the difference, seeing the people, well, seeing the players. Um, some A lot of guys get hooked on different kind of pills um, that help everything that I have, you know, my products for, uh, you know, and, and, and just think about it, um, you know, sleep. If, if you have a problem with sleeping, you know, the first thing that if you go to a doctor, the first thing they're going to give you is a sleeping pill, mm-hmm. you know, so if, if you have anxiety, if you have, you know, problems with anxiety, the first thing they're going to give you is anxiety pills, you know, and if you have pain, they don't give you pain pills. And that's three different, that's three different, you know, pills that you would have to take. Um, I don't think that people understand that these pills over the course of a, you know, a lot of years just start eating away at your liver, eating away at your kidney. This, this is just not healthy for you. Um, and obviously pills are highly addictive. Uh, you know, um, some people have strong enough willpower to not, and but a lot of people don't have that kind of willpower. Um so I just, I, I created this because, you know, I wanted people to have a healthier lifestyle, a healthier option, you know, when it comes to pain, a healthier option when it comes to mental health, sleep, um, any of these things. And, and, and these things are all things that bothered me um, as I played in the league, while I was playing in the league. These, all, these were all things that I had a problem with. I had a problem with sleeping. You know, I had a problem with anxiety. Um, you know, and, and, you know, obviously pain is 100% in the NFL. There's no way that you can play any part of the NFL and not get injured. The injury rate is 100%. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I have pain patches, a rollerball and a salve as my topicals. Uh, this is, and, and, and this is, this is for stay at home dads, stay at home moms, you know, people that do, you know, sideline reporters, uh, a nurse, a construction worker, any everyday, anyone that lives a normal everyday life, this is this is the product for you if you're dealing with any kind of pain, any kind of discomfort, um, 
you know, any kind of nagging injuries or, you know, lingering pain. These are, these are my topicals and these are the best in the business. I think there's, um, they're second to none. Um, my gummies are sleep, sleep gummies. So my daughter, my son, they live by these, um, my daughter has an extremely strict sleeping regimen. She goes to bed about nine o'clock every every night. Oh, wow. wakes up about wakes up about five thirty to take a shower and all that stuff before she gets to before she's a really disciplined girl. Um, my son not so much, so I got to give him the gummies. He go he got to take them, but even if he don't want to take them, he got to take them because he got to go to sleep. Um, and, and my four year old just does what he do, but uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the the sleep gummies. I mean, they're all. Everything that I have, all of my products are clean. They're all natural. They're all organic, 100% THC free. They have nothing to do with THC. And I think a lot of people just put that in, in CBD in the same category because they, I mean, they come from the same plant, but they do two totally different things. Two totally different things. I I, I didn't want to have THC involved in this because I know I'm, I was going to be de- dealing with professional athletes, people in the professional world um, with their job, not just professional athletes, but you know, and and obviously, um, my kids take them, so so I can't have THCM. You know, yeah. um, and my anxiety drops. I mean, mental health is huge nowadays. You know, people you you you're seeing all kind of mental health episodes, and you know, people that are suffering from severe anxiety and severe depression. Um, th- these these gummies are these gummies, and 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 another thing with uh with my products is. Uh, or my 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 tinctures is uh all these things help your brain activity like a lot of these a lot of these a lot of people have um you know whenever they whenever they get you know anxiety stuff like that a lot of people they can't control it it's really hard to control whenever you start feeling yourself get that feeling that feeling and 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 you can't control you can deep breath you can you know breathe through it try to do any of that but you once that feeling comes it's hard to over overcome yeah. Um, my, my tinctures helped me tremendously when I started feeling overwhelmed. My, you know, um, Marissa, my, my wife, she has ADHD, uh, not ADHD, but she has OCD, extremely bad. So she can't do anything without it being even numbers. She can't, you know what I'm saying? If it's three things to clean, she have to find, she'll walk through the house and find the fourth thing to clean just because she just, you know, she counts the, the tiles on the floor. Like she's, it's really bad. Yeah. Um, but, but when she takes these tinctures, when she takes these drops, man, it's, it relaxes her. She can still do what she do. Um, it just won't be as intense, you know, and and and, and that's what I that's what I that's what I wanted to, you know, get to. And that's why I made these products is, is, is to help not just professional athletes, but everyday people. Well, that's awesome, man. Look, it's amazing work that you're doing. And I commend you for not only going out there and taking the initiative to create this company and try to help people, but also just for bringing up the discussion. You know, I mean, so many athletes, especially football players, they, they have that stigma that mental health is, you know, that it shows weakness and that talking about it right. shows weakness. And so for you to come out here and, and talk about anxiety and talk about, you know, OCD, ADHD, different mental health issues that can be helped through your products. I really commend you for that. It's incredible work that you're doing. Keep it up. I'm going to need some samples of those sleep gummies because I do not have a good sleep schedule. So I'm going to need some of that, maybe some merchandise too, to, uh, to help you. advertise. <laughs> I got you, man. Just, t- just say the word in the address. I appreciate it, my man. LG, this was a blast. Thank you so much for joining the show. Make sure you check out his company. Learn more about it at lgsfeelgood.com. Thanks again for joining us, LG.
I appreciate it, man. Thank you guys for having me. We'll be back with my final word right here on Serralo Sports Talk. All right, it's time for my final word on this episode, episode 59 of Serralo Sports Talk. What a great spot right there by three-time Super Bowl champ LeGarrette Blunt. And I can't believe he said it. I, I was so drawn in and intrigued by him actually coming out and saying it. But I agree with LeGarrette a thousand percent. I don't think the Eagles would have won Super Bowl 52 if Carson Wentz was their quarterback. Would he have been the MVP that year? Absolutely. Would they have still been the one seed? Yes. I don't think they would have been able to take down Tom Brady and the Patriots in the Super Bowl without Nick Foles. I just don't. I think like LeGarrette said, you know, Nick provided something special, some intangible, some leadership that Carson just didn't seem to have. Was he having an incredible statistical season? Absolutely. And they were winning games too, but in crunch time, just like Jared Goff the year after with the Rams, don't forget those two guys, same age, same draft class, in crunch time, my bet would have been against Carson Wentz going up against Brady, whereas Nick Foles was, he was unfazed. Old St. Nick, cool, calm, and collected. He, I think also, and LeGarrette, you know, I mean, I don't know if he outright said this, certainly hinted at it. Nick was just a better leader. I mean, he had the guys rallied around him where LeGarrette said, you know, Carson Wentz had a bit of an arrogance to him. And I just, you know, I think you've seen that in Wentz in recent years that Carson Wentz is not the ultimate leader, maybe not the ultimate team guy. And guys don't seem to love him the same way they love Nick Foles. There's no doubt Wentz, when he's healthy, is more talented than Nick Foles. But talent doesn't always make you the better quarterback, the better leader, at least. You know, I just said it with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's never been the most talented quarterback in the National Football League. Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl. Tom Brady has seven. That's all I need to know. Let's look at some other quarterbacks around the National Football League, though. You know, last week, I dropped the episode saying, gee, Baker Mayfield cannot be happy, right? He must be pissed Cleveland might have done damage beyond repair just by mentioning that they were in on Deshaun Watson. The next day, Cleveland was out on Deshaun Watson. Baker writes this cryptic, you know, I don't know if this is goodbye or not, but thank you, Cleveland, for everything. All of a sudden, all the rumors are said that it is down to the Saints and the Falcons for Deshaun Watson. Where does he wind up? Cleveland. Now, I'm not going to dive into his legal situation, right? If Deshaun did what, you know, 22 women are accusing him of doing, that's awful, and he shouldn't play in this league again. Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, separate from Deshaun Watson, the person. Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, is incredible. One of the best quarterbacks in the league and a clear upgrade for the Browns. Now, Baker Mayfield, what happens to him? Just today, Matt Ryan got dealt from Atlanta. Atlanta, who, of course, was in on Deshaun. He got dealt to Indianapolis. All of a sudden, the Colts have an upgrade at the quarterback position. I thought the Colts were going to wind up with Jimmy G. They get Matt Ryan. They get a league MVP, a guy who, yes, he's probably in his final couple of years of his NFL career, but a guy who I think can still lead Indianapolis to a division title. Matt Ryan doesn't throw a pick six in his own end zone, a la Carson Wentz, against Tennessee in a game that can determine via tiebreakers who wins the AFC South. The Colts just got tremendously better. Do I think they're going to win the AFC? Absolutely not. But they can win their division. Probably don't get a wild card. With how stacked the AFC West is, I mean, you look at the AFC North minus Pittsburgh, 
and the AFC West, and I don't see the East or the South getting a wild card team. But the Colts can go 10 and 7, 11 and 6, and win that division. I don't see Tennessee, even, even if Derrick Henry is healthy the full season, which he wasn't last year, makes them getting the one seed that much more incredible. Even if he's healthy the full season, I don't think Tennessee's record is as good as it was this past year. I think Indianapolis with Matt Ryan has the best quarterback in the AFC South and Jonathan Taylor. I'm not going to say he's better than Derrick Henry. I think this past season, he was every bit as valuable as Derrick Henry. Statistically, Jonathan Taylor, and this is because he played a full season, was the best running back in football this past year. Now you'll break it down to per game averages and Derrick Henry was on pace to be better than Jonathan Taylor. It would have been Henry 1, Taylor 2 in theory had he never gotten hurt. But Jonathan Taylor at the end of the day was the best running back in football this past season. So the Colts have the best quarterback in the division now. They have the guy who was just the best running back in football. They have a better offensive line. I think they have a better defense. I mean, the Colts can really, I think, you know, they have a better offensive coach. I mean, Vrabel and Frank Reich are both tremendous coaches. Vrabel just won coach of the year, right? So I'm not going to sit here and say Frank Reich's a better coach, better offensive mind. I think he'll get a ton out of Ryan, use Taylor optimally. The Colts right now, the way things are shaking out, are my pick to win the AFC South. And you heard what I just said. That means I could see the Titans missing the playoffs altogether. Because I think, just like what LeGarrette said, the Raiders are scary, man. I think the AFC West could have four playoff teams. I said going into this season that the NFC West would. Now they didn't. The Seattle Seahawks proved me wrong. I think that this year, the AFC West could be the first division in the history of the NFL to have four playoff teams, that they could occupy all three wildcard spots. Ironically, the one team who actually worries me, the one team in the AFC West who I have the least faith in this season, it would be Russell Wilson again. It would be Russell and the Seahawks this past year not making the playoffs when I thought every NFC West team should have. And this year, despite, you know, the Broncos giving up the world for him, Shelby Harris, Drew Locke, Noah Font, what, two first round picks, two second round picks. I think the Broncos could miss the playoffs because the Raiders did so much more. And in my opinion, it cost them so much less. I mean, yes, the Raiders also gave up two first round draft picks. That was it. The Raiders gave up no personnel. They didn't give up a tremendous defensive tackle or a weapon at tight end. Darren Waller ain't going anywhere. No, no, Derek Carr, in addition to Devontae Adams, is going to be throwing to Darren Waller, to Hunter Renfro. My goodness, the Raiders' offense is terrifying. If Josh Jacobs stays healthy, the Raiders are going to have one of the most complete, lethal, scary groups of offensive skill players in the National Football League. I think if there's one team that might be able, might be able, to challenge the Kansas City Chiefs, it is the Las Vegas Raiders. Out for the division. Not talking for the conference, just talking for the division. Chandler Jones on the defensive side of the ball. Brandon Bolden on the defensive side of the ball. You know, look, the Chiefs offense, I mean, probably going to once again be the best offense in the league year after year. Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, they just added Juju. I'm not, you know, by any means saying the Raiders are going to have a better offense than the Chiefs. But the Chiefs have only gotten worse on defense. They cut Anthony Hitchens. 
they're not bringing back Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, was the heart and soul of Kansas City's defense the past few seasons. He's walking out that door. He's gone. Charvarius Ward, gone. Probably Kansas City's best cornerback the past two seasons. I mean, I don't see any sign of life in that Chiefs secondary. And that secondary already had issues. When Matthew went down the game against Buffalo, my goodness, that secondary almost cost them the Bills game. Gabriel Davis was slipping and sliding all over four touchdowns. We don't need to relive that. You all saw it. So Kansas City on offense, yes, they're untouchable. They're one of one best offensive unit in the National Football League. On defense, I am very scared for Steve Spagnuolo's defensive unit. And look, we already know the Chiefs' MO is that on the defensive side of things, they start slowly, but usually around the midway mark to the season, they pick it up. And then by the year's end, they're like a top 10, top 12 defense the second half of the year. I don't see any signs of a top 10, top 12, top 20 defense right now with Kansas City. I've seen them lose players. I haven't seen them gain a thing on the defensive side of the ball. That AFC West is scary. And like LeGarrette said, the Las Vegas Raiders, they have had a sensational A++ offseason to this point. I mean, this quarterback movement, I can't remember an offseason with this crazy quarterback movement. Of course, yes, a couple years back, you had Brady leave. Of course, that was insane, right? Who would have ever thought three, four years ago, Brady would end his career anywhere outside of Foxborough? And yeah, you had Rivers make things interesting, go from the Chargers to the Colts for one year. But this, I mean, now Matt Ryan to Indy. Baker Mayfield still doesn't even have a home. Hello, Baker Mayfield. The Browns have Deshaun Watson making, you know, 46 mil a year. And they have Baker Mayfield on the same roster. Where the hell's Baker going to go? I mean, I would love nothing more than to see Baker go to Pittsburgh. It'll never happen because the Browns have to trade him and they would never trade him. There is no team, forget the in-state rivalry with Cincinnati, there is no team in the history of the NFL that the Cleveland Browns and their fans and their organization hates more than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that would never in a trillion years ever happen. I would freaking love it because Mitch Trubisky is not going to have the Steelers competing for anything this season. And to see Baker go against Cleveland where there's clearly no love lost twice a year would be unbelievably amazing. I think Seattle is the clear choice though. I think the Seahawks with Baker are competent. I think the Seahawks with Baker in a weak, a weak NFC have a shot at a wild card. I mean, you look at the NFC, it's bad. In terms of Super Bowl contenders, I'm taking the Packers off the list. Why? Well, the Packers haven't won squat in the postseason in over a decade. And they just lost Devontae Adams, who was Aaron Rodgers' best target of all time, Aaron Rodgers' favorite target of all time. He's out the door. He's playing with his old college quarterback, his old Fresno State partner in crime, Derek Carr. And no, I didn't misspeak when I asked LeGarrette if that spoke to Aaron Rodgers' maybe lack of leadership. I really think that that is a huge call out of character, that Devontae Adams would rather play with Derek Carr than Aaron Rodgers. Look, that is not a statistic-based move. Did Devontae have great statistics with Derek Carr at Fresno State? Yes, they were going up against Mountain West Conference or maybe even back then, Western Athletic Conference defenses, right? They weren't going up against NFL defenses. So you can't compare Adams' college stats and say, oh, well, he had, you know, 1,400 yards in college as opposed to 1,100 in the NFL. Different, entirely different football game. Different defenses, different opponents. You can't make that comparison. To me, that's Devontae saying, I trust Derek Carr 
more than I trust Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, top 10 quarterback all time. He's not a Super Bowl contender. The Packers are not Super Bowl contenders without Devontae Adams. The NFC is between two teams. It's the Rams and the Buccaneers. The NFC is going to have one of the previous two NFL champions, Super Bowl champions, represent the conference once again this year in the Super Bowl. It is, I'm sorry, I mean, nothing is a given, especially in the National Football League. Maybe you get a wild card team, a five or a six seed, go on some unprecedented run. But to me, it's clear as day, the NFC, you've got the Bucks and the Rams, and then you've got everyone else. It's like, to me, the Packers are not up there with Tampa Bay. They're not up there with Los Angeles. So maybe if Seattle goes and gets Baker, even though last year in a competitive NFC, they couldn't make the playoffs with Russ, who's better than Baker, maybe this year with Baker and a less competitive conference, they can sneak into the playoffs. But to me, the competitive balance has just totally shifted through this quarterback carousel, through this free agency week and a half so far. The AFC is just so much better, so much better than the NFC. You know, every team in the AFC West should make the playoffs. Three out of four teams in the North should make the playoffs. That's all seven right there. You got two in the South, probably just the Bills in the East, but the Pats were just in it. I mean, you know, you got 11 teams in the AFC, maybe 12, but I'll say 11 teams in the AFC are playoff worthy. If the Steelers had a quarterback, they'd be one too. Their defense, Steelers probably going to have a top eight defense. I just don't see how they can put the ball in the end zone. I mean, the AFC is so damn good. And well, the NFC is so damn horrendous. And just like that, episode 59 of Serralo Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here. Shout out to LeGarrette Blunt for joining the show. The three-time Super Bowl champ was absolutely incredible. Guys, I will see you next week for episode 60. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.